Hello, and welcome to Around the Table, a podcast about food stories from science to everyday life. Steph Morphew, um, you're our latest interviewee with the uh, Lockdown Food Series. Um, Steph, can you tell me something about yourself, um, your situation before lockdown, and most recently during during lockdown? Brilliant. So um, I have been for the last year working two jobs um, because I was working full time within the hospitality industry as a restaurant manager. And the hours and the stress were so much and I left miserable and going, never again, I can't do it, and went back to my previous career as a researcher and writer and loving it, really enjoyed it. And within four months, I was working back in a restaurant because I missed the buzz of service. Um, So for the last year, I've been working in the daytimes, um, writing mainly about social housing, but more recently about food. And then in the evenings, uh, running around and slinging plates um, at Wanda Restaurant in Stoke Newington. Um, I was on furlough from the restaurant for the last two months, but now we're starting up again. So about to enter a new phase as a takeaway without the um, the real buzz of talking to people and like having a room full of um, engaged, happy humans. So we'll see what happens. Well, I think we're all missing human contact at the moment. You're in London and you're, and you're writing. Can you tell me a bit about your writing? Yes. So going into lockdown coincided um, directly with me getting my first um, job paid to write about food. So the last three to four articles I've been doing have been about food systems. Um, Heritage Seeds was one, and I was exceptionally lucky to talk to experts at um, AHDB, the Agriculture and Horticulture Development Board. And that was mainly about apple cultivars and the distinct lack of biodiversity in um, types of apple that we as um, for our nourishment get to access and the sadness that comes along with that. Um, and then one about the dairy industry and regenerative farming and 50 mile menus. So how restaurants and hotels and even schools and hospitals are trying to really hone in on where they get their food from and how they can do that without breaking the bank. Um, and what that means as far as identity is concerned um, and health and the planet. But a lot of it is to do with being able to say what you're eating has a story. Has lockdown changed anything about how and what you eat? Um, no, it's just changed the time we have to make it. So I live with my partner and we've just moved in. So for us, it has been quite a blessed time where we have just been able to do what we love, which is spend hours and hours over cooking. Um, So things like the three-day roast chicken that involves brining it and um, letting it dry out for another 24 hours after the 24-hour brining. And then we did it over Skype with a couple of our friends that had all done this three-day process um, and pastry that had gone in the freezer the day before. So 
it's just been a a chance to cook more and cook better so they the habits haven't changed they've just expanded three-day roast chicken sounds absolutely amazing and it sounds like it's absolutely the right thing to be doing (laughs) yeah and obviously any roast chicken is then a carcass and that carcass becomes chicken sandwiches and those chicken sandwiches become the carcass becomes stock and the stock becomes lasagna and then is lined up in takeaway boxes in the freezer for every soup for every stew for every sauce um so I feel that one roast chicken always has this lifespan across weeks within a household, which I love. Absolutely fantastic. Now, can we go back to uh, some of the things you've been thinking about and writing about, like uh, direct-to-consumer sales? Can you explain what that is? And uh, and then tell us, do you think it's a good thing? Do you think it's working or do you think it's it's got all kinds of ambiguities attached to it? So at the beginning of the lockdown, when restaurants were told to close down, and even in that limbo period where pubs and restaurants weren't sure, they were already losing money because people weren't going out, um, a lot of suppliers just had their money cut off. And with a lot of businesses that work within the restaurant industry, wine is a good example. They give all of their product on credit. So they will pay to release their stock if it's imported, say it's French wine. They will pay to get that um, released from the warehouse it is in, and then they will have to pay tax on it. But the restaurant who has ordered that wine doesn't pay it back until they've sold it. So it's always on credit, which means that so many of these amazing suppliers and importers of wine, but this is across agricultural foods as well as and bakeries, were left not only with no income, but with a huge amount of debt, um, which meant that in the wake of everyone coming home, a lot of people started selling directly to, it was mainly restaurant staff and hospitality staff, but also to the public via Instagram and via other methods. Um, This has meant that a lot of us are getting used to having great produce to our door all the time. There's this tailored experience happening. And um, the idea that we're becoming tiny pods that get exactly what we want through a hatch is um, one that I find both amazing as I'm experiencing it, but but quite disturbing. Um, It's like being in a snow globe, Um, (laughs) essentially. So um, the author of... Uh, Space Odyssey, 2001 Space Odyssey, Arthur C. Clarke had lots of future thinking ideas about how man would be able to get to and from work and what life would look like. And what he said about it was men will no longer commute anymore. They will communicate. They will no longer travel for work, but just for pleasure. And we've reached that zenith just without the traveling anywhere. Um, And bringing direct food to us may for some people especially as fear spreads through the community and spreads through society of second waves and of any other risks that might come up like rising poverty and rising threats on the street because people are more desperate will retreat into these service pods and public life may not return to what it could do 
But for now, it's showing an exceptional amount of resilience from the restaurant in industry and innovation. The waste is probably going to be phenomenal. And every time I think about it, sadly, I think Glastonbury's been cancelled. So we can kind of get away with it. <laughs> uh, we all have our different standards and yardsticks by which to, to, to measure a crisis. Um, it's really, it's really, really interesting about Arthur C. Clarke saying we'd reached this zenith. But, you know, it took a pandemic to, to reach this zenith. So will it save the food system or is it going to kill the sociality of restaurants? What What's your take on it? My take is, is that as more restaurants move towards takeaway and as more people are getting in direct from farm um, produce, the access to good food and to good food narratives will become more elite and those of us who are interested in it and know about it will carry on learning about it and carry on trying to find better things and seed saving and um, looking for those different breeds of tomato because they taste better or they look better. But that's because we have the luxury of one, knowing and two, being able to afford it. What will be important is this whole sector has been helped out. It has received from our work as taxpayers, we have received the public purse to make sure that we do not go under. Many still will, but many people have been able to survive because of the furlough scheme. And there might have to be some work done to say, what public good do these businesses um, perform? And can they prove public good by sourcing their ingredients correctly and in a manner that means that farmers get paid properly or that supply chains are short and do we now that expect that of restaurants going forward regardless of where they are on the price point that they have to prove their public worth because they have received public support and I don't know whether this will happen I think there's some work happening with an organization called the Sustainable Restaurants Association um, they're brilliant look at them up but I am worried. I am worried that a rush to get back to normal and a rush to get business up and running will result in food systems being left out of the conversation, even though it's imperative for so many people that we address it. But I think it's an important question, you know, what public good do restaurants perform? Because, you know, historically they have been hugely important in all kinds of things, setting taste, for example, exposing people to, to new kinds of foods and new ways of doing things. So, you know, I think it's a hugely important question that you've, uh, you've raised there. Uh, can I ask you, um, you know, regardless of whether... Um, um, the public good of restaurants issue emerges as a political issue. Do you think as a result of this, we can all become better food citizens in a world from home? Yes. Um, so our street, Cranley Road in North London, they set up as part of their aid group, their own food box scheme. Um, so they you can either buy one for your own household or for other households, and it's £10 a week for a huge amount of food. And then there's me sitting here 
in my I'm a researcher and a foodie and like work in restaurants going but what's the providence of all of this and is it organic and how how has it been brought here and is it British produce and I'm going well no we need to feed people there are people actually going hungry and um, it's trying to bring those things together but yes at community level people are making sure that people don't go hungry so it's mixed in with a love for what good food means and natural becomes normal rather than a an elite product um we could see more grassroots movements that come along with the global trend of everyone growing more of their own food because they've had time to this year it's interesting that uh, COVID-19 has changed so many things for so many different people um, across the board, everybody. Uh, can I ask you, uh, finally, are there aspects of your eating habits or patterns that you think might carry on beyond lockdown? Um, I hope I'll be more adventurous. Um, I hope that our garden, our working garden that is feeding us is something we can keep up. Um, my partner also works in restaurants, so when those things um, kick off again, we'll go back to like quite heavy hours. But I would love it if we could see our marrows or pea shoots feed us and that be ingrained into how we live our life from now on. Steph Morphew, thank you so much. I wish you the best in uh, in the uh, unlocking of, of London and of restaurant life. You've, you've raised some very important and interesting issues. So thank you again. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Around the Table is a personal production of Dr. Tess Bird and Professor Stanley Uliazak, who are anthropologists of food and nutrition and of household uncertainty and insecurity. The opinions and ideas expressed are solely those of the contributors and podcasters and do not reflect the opinions of any university body. The music in this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you for tuning in.